0: Gad Ben Sabatis here. Welcome, Gad.
1: Well, thank you very much. Welcome.
0: And uh, we usually start off uh, really simply by asking our entrepreneurs uh, what they do for a living, and tell us about your business.
1: Well, we're a baby store. We uh, sell everything from uh, educational toys to uh, strollers, car seats, clothing, baby furniture, youth furniture.
2: Is this for any age, or like, what age do you kind of stop
1: at? Well, uh, we stop at uh, two years old. But we do make custom uh, youth beds, so basically you can use them up till your teenagers are out of the house.
2: <laughs> now what's really interesting, what I think the final listeners are going to enjoy is you your background had nothing to do with baby furniture and, and any of the, these toys or anything like it. Tell us a little bit of your background and kind of where you came from and why you decided to get into this business.
1: Well, uh, my background is in IT. I worked uh, for uh, over 10 years for a company called CGI. Uh, I was a director in business development, I think that was in outsourcing. So, my background is also in sales. Basically, uh, working uh, for major companies, I had to give, come up with a strategy that would make them save from 10 to 20%. Basically, uh, I would put in a lot of hours, build solutions. And, like I mentioned, I traveled a lot. And uh, after a certain while, uh, my wife and I, she's also a partner in the business, she's an optometrist. Uh, so, or also her background is not in the baby industry. So, basically, what we did is, at one point, we wanted to move uh, from Montreal and go into a warmer country where there's palm trees and coconuts. As we
2: stare outside at <laughs> the sunny sunny day.
1: And as you can see, we're still here in Montreal. So, uh, basically, we uh, we came out with a business plan. Uh, it took us two years. Um, we made uh, we followed the business plan and we opened up the uh, the store in Montreal.
2: Now, what was the what was the genesis? Why? the baby domain? Why the kids stuff?
1: Okay, well uh, first of all, well, we had our daughter about not about 11 years and a half ago and uh, we were very much involved in the daycare and uh, we were traveling back and forth to Florida in the winter times and summer times and uh, we noticed there was nothing really out there for the babies whether it was in Florida or in Montreal for educational tours, modern furniture, uh, even strollers, car seats. So uh, we thought there was uh, a niche
2: and when you're developing your business plan, and, and you really don't know much about this business, where do you start? Like, you know, There's a lot of people that get into their business, a lot of entrepreneurs that are looking to say, okay, hey, what's my first step, second step, third step? But this is really brand new to you. So what is your first step when you look and stare at that business plan? What do you, you got to find out first?
1: Well, first of all, you got to see uh, what's out there on the market. Uh, that's the first thing. Second thing is, what is it that you exactly want to do? And thirdly is we went uh, at various uh, trade shows. We looked at what was out there and what we were allowed to bring into Canada because there are security and standards that we need to respect. So once we've done that, we afterwards search for a location and uh, we started off from there.
2: Now, it's interesting. You're talking about security standards. You're talking about furniture, kids, babies. That's got to be high priority anywhere. I mean, certainly in the United States when you're starting. Uh, in a very litigious environment, how do you what steps do you take to make sure that the quality of the goods that you're selling that you're that you could be on the hook for are the right ones?
1: Well uh, the first thing is we won't bring in any product that is not approved in Canada or in the states because we're here in Canada we'll bring only the products that are approved in Canada. Now Canada has one of the highest uh, the strictest standards in the world um, so we're, therefore we'll look at the reviews see what uh, what the reviews are, what the customers are looking for, and, of course, if it has a warranty and if there's any recall. So we will try to bring in only the high, high-rated high products that we think is, is the best. So basically, we do the homework for our clients.
0: And how did you go about determining that there was a need for this type of business in, in Montreal? Uh, what kind of uh, research or, or groundwork did you do before you got into the business?
1: Okay. Well, uh, like I mentioned earlier, we have a daughter. And when we were looking for her, we didn't find much out there. And uh, myself and my wife, I mean, we like nice things. And we were looking out there to find nice things, and we didn't find. So basically, we said, why not?
0: Mm-hmm. And so did you survey the competition? Did you drive around the city? How did you do that? Um,
1: yes, we did. Um, we did it at first. We didn't do it since uh, because we focus on our own business. Uh, we brought in a lot of trends in Montreal, uh, in Quebec. We had uh, exclusivity with, with some products, so therefore we make our own homework and we do the homework for the parents.
2: Now when we were talking about the quality before, and you're you've got you making sure that you know all the products are really up to code, up to standard, which of course is the ma- the manufacturer's responsibility. Is that a constant monitoring process for you? When you're talking about you know checking for recalls and all that, you really got to stay on top of it.
1: Definitely. So uh, basically, it's our it's our first question we ask when there's a trendy product out there that does all kinds of functionalities and it looks good uh, the first question that comes up is it safe for Canada because Canada is a small market uh, manufacturers do produce for the states for Europe so when we say Canada they say you're only 30 million I mean this is the population of California mm-hmm. um, so they look at us with like a crooked eye so uh, we make sure it meets all the standards.
2: Now, does that mean that your buying power is limited? That your options and selection are limited?
1: Um, yes, in one sense, but uh, there's a lot of good products on there that uh, exceed uh, the standards and security.
2: Now, as a, as, a, as a small business and an entrepreneur with, I'm sure at the outset, limited funds, there's, I have no doubt, a whole array of products and manufacturers how do you go with with little knowledge of the industry itself and the products? How do you determine which lines you start with?
1: So uh, well we we started off with the business plan. so we made sure that we have categories. So for example, we have car seats. We're gonna limit ourselves to the best three rated so the first, the second, and the third. We're, then we're gonna go with the stroller, same thing. we're gonna get the we're gonna bring in the best one that is for jogging, the best double stroller. Uh, the best lightweight strawberry. so we go by categories. And uh, my wife is also very involved uh, in the purchasing, so she does a lot of it for everything that has accessories.
2: When when you were talking, you keep mentioning this business plan. Was it a difficult document to prepare? What was the hardest part? What was the most eye-opening? And did you stick to it or did it keep moving? (laughs)
1: Well, um, you know what? It's it's strange, but uh we, we did follow it at the beginning the first few years and when we look back we say, Wow, it really happened what we planned. So it's it's funny that you mentioned that. We did fix it. We uh we tweaked it a little bit as we were going on, because I mean obviously when you started it, it's on paper, but then when reality comes, you have to adjust yourself, which we did.
2: Was that did you did you use that document as uh, kind of a platform and a base, and did you do you check yourself against it at least at the outset?
1: Yes, we did because uh, we 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 put in numbers. Uh, we also had a budget, um, and we uh, we had no choice because we went with that business plan to the bank so they can give us a small loan, small business loan. So <laughs> we had no choice.
2: Which and, and you know it's it's very interesting because you you come from this IT background, um, and your wife, as as you mentioned, your partner comes from an a background uh, and yet you're in this business kind of starting from from scratch is it difficult when you went to the bank was it difficult to convince them that you guys can actually run a business where you had little to no experience in
1: um, not at all what, what happened was that uh, we had to inject some funds of our personal and uh, also working for CGI with the title that I had with the background that my wife has as an optometrist uh they had confidence in us and the branch was right across our business so also they uh, they saw what we were going to offer
2: and i think as we find when we come back after the break small business new new start new product new bank line Cash management certainly comes into play. Cash flow management, we're going to explore that when we come back after the break.
0: Gad Bensabat of uh, Baby Boutique Pinky Blue, our guest this evening on Today's Entrepreneur. 719 on CJAD, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar, along with Fuller Landau's Josh Miller for Today's Entrepreneur, and our guest is Gad Bensabat of Baby Boutique Pinky Blue. And uh, Gad, when you're starting a new business, borrowing money, uh, putting your own money into the business, you certainly have to watch your cash and your cash flow. Uh, Tell us about uh, some of the challenges there. when you started uh, Pinky Blue,
1: well, definitely, like you mentioned, uh, cash flow is always an issue. So we did inject uh, our personal uh, money into the company because we did believe into it. Uh, we dealt with uh, with the bank; uh, they helped us at the beginning. It wasn't always easy because they weren't that proactive. We had to be behind them. So uh, every time we had to go behind them, we had to inject our own money, and it, it became harder. But then everything stabilized and. Like every new business, it's always hard at the beginning. And uh, the thing is is not to be discouraged and to always go forward. So, uh, I mean, a little anecdote is that uh, for cash flow, uh, we own a house. Uh, our basement was, was our warehouse. So sometimes we have to go back to our house, get the merchandise, come back to the store. Hmm. I mean, we had to keep the, uh, the cost low. So this is a little experience that we, we had uh, back then. Now we own two warehouses, so we don't have to go back and forth.
2: Now, do you have any, today I know is far different than when you started about eight years or so ago, but do you have certain management information systems that you monitor so that you can kind of keep tabs on your cash flow? How do you, how do you know where you're at at any given point in time?
1: Well, here's the thing. Uh, we're set up with a very good POS system. A POS is a point of sale system. Uh, it helps us, everything is inventoried. So, uh, and everything is computerized. Having an IT background, I didn't want to limit myself with an old program or in-house program. So basically, we brought in a very good program that is Montreal-based company that runs on the Apple computer system. Uh, to make a long story short, we have uh, summaries, we have reports. So we look into them. We see what sells better, uh, how long we kept the stock, should we reorder or not. So it helps us uh, forecast. This is one option. The other option is uh, being on the floor as well, uh in the store, I see what's out there, what's here I see what's in the aisles. Uh Lisa, my partner as well will go around the store and see what's missing or not, uh as well as the other employees.
2: So you're saying you have the you have the computer system that gives you a certain amount of information, but your eyes are an important factors where your eyes, your ears, the other senses are important as well. You don't only rely on the computer.
1: Definitely. We we use both. I think uh the computer is one thing, but being on the floor and see what's on the shelf, using our eyes, is another. Uh...
2: Is everybody has those eyes? Like everybody kind of has input on in where you're going? Or really is it focused on one or two people specific?
1: Um, I would say maybe four uh, main people. So basically it would be myself, my partner. Uh, there's also my sister who works in the company and my brother as well
2: a family business. But as we stay with cash flow management, uh, and I'm sure there's, as you're dealing with your buying and your and your fluctuation of how your inventory and your stock throughout the year, that too becomes a, a challenge in and of itself to make sure that everything is on track and in place. And when we come back, we'll explore a little bit about buying patterns and what's succeeded, what's worked well for, for GAD.
0: GAD Benzabat of Baby Boutique Pinky Blue, our guest on Today's Entrepreneur. 7.26 on Today's Entrepreneur. Our guest is Gad Bensabat of Baby Boutique Pinky Blue and we're talking about how Gad handles his cash flow, how he handles his inventory. He has a POS system, a point of sale system, uh, very familiar to those in the restaurant industry, Josh, but I'm sure also uh, very practical for everyone else to keep track uh, in a very detailed way of uh, what's going on in your business. Gad, has the has the POS system ever told you something that you didn't know already as an entrepreneur? Has it, has it made you discover things about your business you didn't realize at first?
1: well uh yeah for for one report specifically is uh with my eyes i can see what sells but the report allows me to say okay on mondays maybe it's a better day than on tuesday or on a wednesday so sometimes what it helps us do is that we can forecast or inventory or purchasing or if we do it over a six months period or one year we know when to get um, convertible car seats for example or lightweight strollers manage uh, when people are traveling, so it helps us.
2: Has your eye ever been more accurate than the computer?
1: <laughs> yeah, when the computer is done. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Even better. So now let's talk a little bit about buying because as, as as many or hopefully all entrepreneurs know, while you can make your money selling, you really make your money buying. Uh, there's no question about it that if you're on top of it and you have the opportunity to buy at the right time and forecast properly and know when things are needed, that's when you can really make your bucks. What kind of lessons have you learned over the years and what, have, what kind of buying pattern, how much do you rely and what are your, what are your plans and thought process behind buying opportunities?
1: Well, like you mentioned, it's uh, very important. So uh, what we do is we, we try to plan. Planning is a, is, is, is a key because if you don't plan you can um, be uh, without products. Let me explain myself. Um, Strollers when you order them through the supplier or car seats they produce what has been ordered from the various uh, retailers. They don't carry overstock. So if I plan if I don't plan in advance I may be without strollers for two three months or car seat uh, which are the most important uh, pieces. This is why uh, parents come at first to the store. Um, So we forecast that. So what happens is when we buy, we try to buy as much strollers that we can afford, we uh, stock them so like this people can come in, purchase it and leave with the item. If they don't want to leave with the item, we can keep it for them. So what happens is sometimes, some months we can be low on cash flow. Uh, For example, uh, there's a brand we just purchased. We took like uh, hundreds of, uh, of those items. Uh, We locked our cash flow for those items because we know in two months from now, there won't be any available. So across Canada, because we are an online store, people will call us because they'll be traveling shortly. They'll need, for example, lightweight strollers. We know we'll have most of all the strollers out there. So uh, this is one strategy.
2: Did you ever have to work with your bank several times, say, hey, you know what? I have a buying opportunity. I need a few extra dollars. Can we work together?
1: Definitely, we we tried that in past. We tried to uh, increase our margin, and uh, we were never very successful. We had uh, we didn't have luck with our uh, with our branches that we worked with, and uh, we're looking to work with different uh, different uh, alternatives.
2: Banking woes, entrepreneurs always live them, and uh, certainly it's 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 a struggle uphill sometimes. But as long as you feed them the right information, the bankers. And you open their eyes a little bit and it needs a little bit of, of pushing, then certainly things can happen. You mentioned online sales, and I think when we come back from the break, marketing will be a good topic as he comes from not only an IT background, but business development as
0: well. Also, before the hour is up, I will talk HR and what you could do uh, with your employees to, to sort of uh, make them feel good heading into the summer months. That's coming up on Today's Entrepreneur. 736. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar. And uh, for the land, Josh Miller with you, and our guest this evening,
2: Gad Ben-Sabat of Baby Boutique Pinky Blue. And just before we left, we were kind of about to explore marketing. Now, you're a retail store, you got to get the word out there. Gad himself has an IT background, business development. What have you brought to the table at Pinky Blue, and what has worked for you, and maybe what hasn't worked for you that you learned from?
1: Well, what I've learned from is... Uh... You definitely gotta be on there online. Uh, you gotta be. Uh, you gotta have a good backend system that is powerful. So what we've done is, uh, our mentality was to to post only the items online that are available. Uh, we won't post items that are not in stocks. So we don't want a customer to purchase something and not be able to not have it within um, uh, the time required to deliver it.
2: Do you find that that is something that? Uh was a goal that you said, I need to be set apart from everybody else so that I can have a short delivery time frame.
1: Definitely. And not only that, there's a lot of uh, uh, businesses out there that they will put the whole catalog online when in fact they uh, um, stock maybe 10% of uh, those items. And we don't have the mentality. It's not part of our philosophy. We will post only the items we, we have in stock.
0: You know, maybe 10 years ago, people were saying you have to have a website. Maybe today, Gad, are they saying you have to have an e-commerce site?
1: Definitely, you need an e-commerce more and more. Um, there's more people buying online, more uh, um, individuals living in the suburbs. Um, for example, we have lots of customers outside from Quebec. They will order from New Brunswick, Alberta, Saskatchewan, where uh, not everybody lives in the, in the downtown area.
2: What have you found to be the biggest challenge of having an online customer website?
1: Well, um, the biggest challenge is that uh, sometimes some products are no longer on the market, so you've got to keep it up to date and remove the items. Because what happens is when you leave it on, they always buy, buy that item.
2: <laughs> always the one that kind of is discontinued.
1: Exactly. So uh, that's that's one thing we have to look for. The second thing we have to look for is MSRP. Um, Suppliers sometimes with a very short notice, they will uh, ask you to make a promo, reduce the price. Therefore, you have to put it out there. If you don't, somebody else might put it and you might lose sales.
2: Because you're not exclusive with all your brands. So how do you make sure your competition or how does the supplier make sure that you're all on an even keel, that you're not selling one stroller for 299 and somebody else is undercutting you at 249 for example.
1: Well, the word goes around very quickly. I mean, uh, if by mistake, let's say I'll put a car seat under the suggested retail price, definitely uh, they, the supplier will come and say, hey, listen, there's a, there's a store out there in Vancouver noticed your website and uh, you're selling the price cheaper. So basically, um, there's kind of like a, Police out there. The suppliers do the check themselves as well. The customers they'll say, "Oh, I seen it at the other store on the other website for cheaper."
0: <laughs> a guide question from a texter at five one four eight hundred. How can you compete against some of the big online retailers, the big kid stores, the big uh, you know uh, retailers online? Uh, how, what do you offer uh, in terms of service that that they may not?
1: well the, the big online stores they don't necessarily do the homework and try, try to choose the best product on there like i mentioned earlier they'll put a, a wide a wide range of catalogs um and they'll be driven by it by the price what we'll do is we'll provide a much better product for probably the same price so to compete with them uh we made a name of ourselves by by offering also a very good service people that come to the stores they know it we'll help them out we'll take the car seat We'll bring it to their car, and make sure it fits. Uh, we, if there's a new product coming out, we will tell them there's a new product coming out. So we're not just selling to sell. Because the same customer to whom we're selling, I might see them well, if I'm at a terrace in, on Mockland or downtown on Sherbrooke, and I want them to be happy. So the big online stores, they're really only driven with the, uh, the price and, and the uh, variety of uh, products they can offer.
2: Now, when you're when you're building your your online site or your website, is it to generate sales online or is it to drive people in the store? What percentage do you think has worked for you or has succeeded?
1: Well, um, in the past years, it has increased our online uh, business. Uh, it represents about ten to twelve percent of our revenues, but it also draws a lot of clients to the store. So, for example, it's much easier to promote an item on our website and it will bring in the clients to the store for example soon it's going to be mother's day so we'll post a Mother's day uh, special or an ad uh, welcoming the mothers um so it draws maybe twenty or thirty percent of the customers to the store
2: now what about other types of marketing efforts i mean how do you it's great to have the store it's great to have your website how do you get people to you
1: okay well many things we have uh the first one is also word-of-mouth clients are happy they refer us that's the first one the second one is uh, being located where we are there's a big sign on Côte de that when you're on the highway especially now with the traffic you cannot uh, not miss it Uh, thirdly um, we also uh, promote uh, through Google AdWords where we will increase more marketing on into that direction and uh, we also have a Facebook account where just starting to work out
2: now i would imagine that part of being in retail and part of getting people to your store is location you're in your second location now can you quickly tell us the choice of the first location and then the second location
1: uh definitely um the first location we took it because it was uh close to our house it was was close to our house it was close to uh my daughter's school it was convenient the location was nice there was people uh there was um uh, people uh, walking down the streets, they can where stop by. Where was this at the time? It was on Queen Mary between uh, Earncliffe and Clarence. Uh So we chose the location. It's funny because it used to be an office where my wife used to practice as an optometrist. <laughs>
2: Keep it close. Keep it
1: close. Um, and now where are you? Now we're located at 4278 Côte d'Aliès. Um It's, uh, it's about uh, 10 times the size where we were before. Um, it's a place we renovated ourselves we were talking about cutting uh, on the cost well initially when we opened the store my brother had made a comment the first door he said you know what we're building everything with scissors and papers because we were building everything ourselves uh... the shelves we were painting uh... the racking system we did ourselves and then once we uh... opened the second location we continue on doing the same thing so basically if any of you is welcome to, to pass by you'll notice that everything that's in there we built it so my father Myself, my brother, and my wife, we build uh, 90% of the store.
0: So you wanted to create a really unique sort of family feel to it?
1: Yeah, we wanted to make it unique, but also it's because we, we, we love what we do and it represents us. We didn't want to do something that was out there. Mm-hmm. Nothing uh, generic? No, nothing generic. As a matter of fact, the very known uh, brand, stroller brand, they, they, they copied us to make the same store displays in California.
2: Mm-hmm. Quickly, why, why on Cote Lies? Why that location?
1: one code uh we were looking for a location that was not too expensive where there was parking and where there was a docking system uh, as i mentioned earlier was we had everything in our house in our garage so i wanted this time for a truck to be able to come in unload to ease the process um, so that location allows people to park 70 people can park they don't have to pay the meters uh, they can stay as long as they want there's a high ceiling 26 feet high ceiling there's bay windows so it's bright sunny and uh, affordable
2: and i think location for any retailer is hugely important now what we didn't get to gad is a little bit about the human resource and some of your employees and the family members that come in but i think we're going to tackle it a little bit when we come back from the break And Micheline Mayette, uh, uh, HR consultant with Fullerlanda, will be along, and she's also going to have some
0: tips for employers, because the, the weather's really nice and sunny, everyone's in a better mood. Is it time to throw your employees a bone for the summer season? And she'll have some really interesting ideas about how you can improve morale. Uh, as the weather uh, out there is a lot better. 749 on today's entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you. And our guests this evening, Gad Ben Sabat of Pinky Blue, a baby boutique. And also, we bring in michelin Mayette into the conversation, HR specialist with Fuller Landau. Welcome back, Micheline. Thank you. And uh, so, the weather's nice. People are in better moods. Uh, should employers now be shifting their moods? And should they be sort of um, cutting employees a bit of slack as we head into the summer season?
3: I think it's a nice perk. I mean we only have four months of summer in Montreal, so you know, let's try to help employees get the most out of their summers, right? So a few things that we could do, if there's room for it, definitely stick some picnic tables outside. If there's any grassy areas around your building, let people at least get outside for lunch to enjoy the nice hot weather. Bike racks for people who are biking to work. So let's make people's lives a little bit more easier. Some other things companies can look at doing and that you see, you know, more frequently Um, casual dress there's nothing worse than going out in the summer at 30 degrees with a suit and tie on so i can i can vouch (laughs) for that (laughs) so if possible you know loosen up the casual dress code for the summer within reason because there's always people that are obviously going to go a bit overboard in the summer
2: and what do you do i mean when people start abusing that system how do you deal with that
3: I just say I have a clear policy on what's permitted. For example, you can do casual business casual or more casual dress in the summer, but you know no mini skirts, maybe no flip-flops, something like that. So if you're, you know, pretty specific about the things that are not permitted, then it's pretty clear. And if you do see people um, you know, wearing things that are not appropriate, speak to them quickly about it so that it doesn't get worse because once somebody sees them wearing flip-flops once, twice, the whole office is wearing flip-flops the next day.
2: (laughs) And I guess it also depends who you're interacting with. I mean, are you in front of clients all the time? Are you never seeing a customer? Is it very internal? Although then you have to still be aware of image in case a customer client does walk by.
3: A hundred percent. And it really depends on the environment. If, you know, a video game company, probably they have a very casual dress code all year. So it it really depends on on the industry, but definitely I would say uh, something that's nice is definitely loosen up the dress code for the summer. Another thing a lot of companies are doing uh, lately or the past few years is to give a summer schedule which is very appreciated by employees. Um, it could be to work less, fewer hours every day or what I would say is even more preferred is to finish early on Fridays. So you can take advantage and every weekend in the summer feels like a long weekend.
2: Is it better to be consistent throughout the whole office or let people kind of choose when they, they have their flex hours?
3: It really depends from one company to the other. If you have uh, customers that are calling and certain duties have to be covered at certain times, then you have to adapt your work schedule as a function of that. So, I mean, a retail store like Pinky Blue can decide everybody's leaving at 3 on Fridays because they're going to have some customer service issues.
1: We close every Friday at (laughs) 4 o'clock. year-long. Special circumstances.
0: Do you find that having these kinds of policies uh, cut down on productivity, increase productivity, or neutral?
3: I I wouldn't say it increases productivity because maybe there's less hours, but I would say the hours are used better. During the week, because people do want to leave, I think an essential part of this po- of having a policy like that is to remind people to make sure that their customers are being serviced properly in order to take advantage of it. Um so to make sure that people are responsible for getting their own work done. And usually, in order to be able to leave at three, people will be extra productive.
2: And certainly, or four on Friday. And when we come back from the break, we'll hear kind of what Gad and Pinky Blue, a few things that he does to, uh, to give some perks back to his employees. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD 800.
0: Remaining moments on Today's Entrepreneur, our guests are Gad Bensabat of Baby Boutique Pinky Blue. We'll have uh, his piece of advice for Today's Entrepreneur in a moment. Uh, but first, mission Mayet, HR consultant with Folo Landau, on how to ease up on your employees uh, as the summer approaches.
2: And I think even before we get there, I, I think Gad, you know, has some interesting things that he does for his employees, maybe not just in the summer, but all year round. What do you kind of, how do you give back to them?
1: What we do is uh, most of the time, Friday mornings, we'll bring in uh, croissant uh, cakes, uh, sushis for uh, the employees. Uh, we supply uh, Nespresso coffee, uh, water bottles. Uh, so we, we try to be uh, generous with the, uh, with the members, the, the employees that work with us.
2: You know it's interesting, and and I I don't know the answer to this, but when you give to your employees, you know, and and it's it's frequent and it's often and it's it's scheduled almost. What happens when you don't give it the next time? Do they think poorly of the company? Uh, how do they react? As employers and entrepreneurs have to be mindful of what they've given in the past.
3: Yes, unfortunately, I mean once you give something it's harder to take it away after so I always say before adding new benefits really analyze if this is something you want to do in the long term it doesn't mean that you can't take it away but you have to kind of explain why you're doing it so that it's it's accepted Um, but I think there's definitely a lot of advantages to doing it just in terms of you know it's something that's nice like Mm. I said it's so the summer's so short in Montreal that you know let's get the most out of it and I think employees are are super happy and grateful that uh, you know if there's Things that are done really to their advantage like that.
2: Any other things that you can think of, Michelin, that, uh, you know, whether it involves the community or otherwise all year round?
3: Yeah, in the summer, I mean, there's so many different activities that you could do as a team, get employees together uh, to raise money for a good event, do a walk or a bike ride or something like that. And, you know, it's a great team building activity. You get the whole family involved as well. And the more that a family is involved and appreciative of uh, somebody's employer, the, They tend to have longer, um, you know, they they tend to stay with the company much longer. The loyalty factor is there.
1: And and if I may add, uh, what I've noticed is uh, employees like to be appreciated. So a year long, we need, it's not about what we give them, it's what we tell them. Uh, So sometimes if we just tell them, you know what, great job, appreciate what you're doing, we're here thanks to you guys, it's not just about us, but it's a whole, it's the team. It's because of the team we're here and all the members that make the company where the company is so it's not just about giving a bonus because they're going on vacation or giving them more free time it's about being flexible and understandable so for example um if they need a day or two because their kids are sick they shouldn't be worried of asking us because they know we can give it to them and i think all those benefits make that the environment is more sane and viable and it creates a nice atmosphere
3: definitely yeah i think uh, the more flexible you could be i think it's one of the greatest advantages of small medium-sized businesses they tend to be able to be much more flexible with employees than, than larger companies can in some cases.
2: I think it's it's all great ideas and great topics and I'm sure there's actually plenty of entrepreneurs out there that have some original ideas and uh, maybe one day we'll explore that listening to all those all those possibilities. And as we approach the end of the show, as we always do, Gad will look to you and ask you what one piece of advice would you give to today's entrepreneur?
1: Well, uh, the first one is if you have dreams <clears throat> Sorry. if you have dreams, pursue them, don't be afraid, um, just go ahead, write down a business plan, write down your ideas, um, take the risk, it's worth it, try it out, if it works, fine, if it doesn't work, well at least you would have tried it, secondly is, uh, surround yourself with the right people, the right accounting, accountants, accountant firms, the lawyers, the bank managers. The right uh, medium tool that we use, if it's a POS system, a CRM system, um, I think that is very important. And then, thirdly, you got to be happy in what you do. If you're not happy in what you do, well, don't do it because it reflects on your personality, your lifestyle, and uh, I think that's very important.
2: And, Dan, the quick takeaway that I'll leave is and it was a little subtle and sometimes not is entrepreneurs stay involved in your business. Don't leave anything to chance.
0: Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Gad Bensabat of Baby Blue, uh, Pinky Blue, rather. And uh, thanks, Dimitri Mayette of Full Orlando for all the HR tips. We're back next week, Monday night at 7 for our season finale, Josh. uh, This is News Talk Radio, CJAD 800.